This is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Thank you all for tuning in today. If you have not subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever uh, system or doodad that you listen to the podcast on. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at bowcroftbiblechurch.org. Also, please check out our Instagram, which is the Truth Talks podcast. We'd love to see you follow and seeing what's coming up next. So today we actually have uh, a special guest. Well, I actually have a special guest. It's just me and the guest. Um, and he is special uh in 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 the way that god has has ordained him to be where he is um his name is actually ben hogan or deacon ben hogan we're having him back how you doing today sir good buddy i'm glad to be here with you man good man i'm glad you could make it so uh so ben you actually preached uh last sunday mm-hmm. uh which makes it so that now you get to come on the podcast and i get to quiz you on a bunch of uh questions from uh the <laughs> sermon so that's what you get when you when you preach at the church uh, at bellcroft bible church Excellent. yeah so uh can you give us like a, an overview of what you were uh preaching about uh before you say that on the Bellcroft Bible Church uh, podcast, that is where you're able to hear the sermon. Uh, the chapter was I preached out of Psalm 96. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, essentially, what I wanted to do was kind of a part two from last year when I preached, which was on worship as, insofar as its definition, like what does it literally mean. And then what are those implications for us? So mm-hmm. last year I drew out the top two or three, which really covers most of them easily, uh, Hebrew and Greek words for worship. And overall what they mean is to bow down physically mm-hmm. or to serve. And so I just kind of fleshed all of those out as best as I could. And this time, so Matt asked me to preach on worship again. And one topic I have found extremely interesting just over the years studying and uh, eventually dug down a little deeper on this was in Psalm 96, there's a line that says worship in the splendor of holiness. Mm -hmm. And I came to find out that that can literally be translated as worship in holy attire. Hmm. And so that kind of raised my eyebrows at that and uh, chased that around a little bit in scripture and ultimately tried to draw the lines between that is referring to uh, what was going on in the priesthood where they had holy garments specifically mm-hmm. for their priestly duties, and it was to represent holiness, the mm-hmm. splendor of holiness. It was pure. They were pure white, fine linen, um, beautiful garments. Uh, God said he made them for glory and for beauty. And then ultimately you get into Revelation, and when all has been said and done at the marriage supper of the Lamb, uh, the ones who are at that feast— are granted, it says, white robes of fine linen. And mm-hmm. then it says the the fine linen are the righteous deeds of the saints. And so it traces this picture of who we are as Christians, as people who are full of righteous deeds. And that is what makes us beautiful in God's eyes. Um, it glorifies God. Holiness is a beautiful thing. Hence, 
that's how they tried to essentially copy what's going on in the heavenly places with the pure white garments and all right. of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of a fun topic. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So I have a couple of uh, statements that I pulled out of there. Uh, you made a statement that um, I had read actually a few days before the sermon, just completely just, you know, off the cuff. Hmm. Um, one was as finite men, we cannot comprehend an infinite God. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I when I you know heard that, when I read it first, I was like, "Ooh, that that kind of <laughs> puts me in my place." Yeah. Uh, but then, um, as I thought about that, it's it's it it made me think like, you know what? This is awesome. Like we get to serve an yeah. infinite God. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, you were one of the things that I really liked, and I and I think my wife told me uh, one time. You know, God isn't uh, described in Scripture as love, love, love. Right, right. Uh, and you yeah. you use a whole bunch of other ones. Uh, yeah. You know, and but He is described as holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. Um, what about His holiness demands our holiness? Yeah, I think the the easiest passage to go to that just forces that understanding is in Hebrews where it says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Mm -hmm. And considering that God is perfectly holy, that is, I mean, it's almost a word hard to describe because Mm -hmm. it's so beyond us. Mm -hmm. Um, But pure, perfectly glorious, perfectly uh, all-powerful and sovereign, without sin, without change all of those things mm-hmm. he is a judge uh, he does have mercy um you know through Christ of course but because of the fact that he is so holy there's not a we don't have a chance to ever be in his presence um and even if we could to enjoy that as unholy people mm-hmm. it would be a fearful thing so the fact that God is holy, in order for us to even be with him, we would have to be made holy. And, of course, that's done by Christ imputing righteousness to us or essentially giving us that white robe of salvation. I pointed to that, too, in Isaiah, where Isaiah prophesies that God has given us the garments of salvation and mm-hmm. the uh, robe of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're living unholy lives now, we're certainly not going to— we shouldn't be expecting to enjoy God's presence later because, again, Hebrews says, without holiness, no one sees the Lord. Right. Yeah, that's good. So um, the <laughs> so this was uh, this was one of those things where I wrote down, and I was like, man, that's, that's really good. We aren't victims of original sin. We are happy propagators of it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, <laughs> right. that is – that's tough. Uh, can you kind of explain uh, where that came from, the the happy propagators of, of sin and yeah. us not being victims of the original sin? Yeah. Um, well, it's a fun—not well, funny, but um, <clears throat> you kind of have both going on where, yes, original sin impacts us all. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Romans says— Death came through sin, so one man sinned, that's Adam, and death came through that sin. And then it says death spread to everybody, but then it says because all sinned. So it doesn't blame Adam for the sin, it's saying we all sin, so the death touches everybody. 
Um, and what that means is we're not just going back to that line, victims and woe is me. The original, if only Adam didn't mess up, you know, I'd be fine. And there's some truth to that, but the sad reality is because he did sin, we have now been born with that sinful inclination and we are happy to accommodate it. Mm. It's just how we live life until Christ opens our eyes and softens our hearts. Um, so, you know, you can't have the devil made me do it mentality at all. We have to own up to it. And that's true repentance and uh, true sorrow and true, there is Second Corinthians says, it's a godly repentance that leads you to, or a godly uh, grief, rather, that leads you to repentance. Mm-hmm. So kind of getting back to, Matt's been preaching on it, the difference between Judas and Peter and that kind of thing, feeling bad for your sin versus repenting of it and turning back to Christ. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, uh, you know, until God really opens our eyes, um, we are enslaved to sin and we can't help ourselves. Mm-hmm. We can't just will ourselves out of that. We have to understand we've got nothing but to call on God for mercy and whoever calls upon the Lord, um, he will not turn away. Mm-hmm. Bible promises. Yeah. So in other words, um, Adam committed the original sin, mm-hmm. but if he didn't, then one of us would have in the first place. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> the interesting thing is Adam is the only one and this is like for a whole other podcast, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to drop this little bomb out there because Adam and Eve are the only ones in human history who had an entirely free will because they weren't enslaved to sin. And so they had the, if, for lack of a better word, the option to obey or to, to sin. And they chose sin, and so now we are born into sin as slaves to it. So we're even worse off than what Adam and Eve were. Um, but again, we happily give in to that sin. Um, that is why God has to sovereignly act first and make us alive, regenerate us, and then he grants us faith to believe. Um, but because that is so powerful and it is so necessary, when he does that, we are simultaneously wanting it. We want to believe. We want to ask for forgiveness. But it takes God to really... Um, pull us from the dungeon that we're enslaved to sin in. Um, but yeah, it's if it were us back then and we had never sinned before, then you know I'd like to think I wouldn't do that. But mm-hmm. I uh, I don't think that highly of myself anymore. You know, I've right. lived long enough to know. Yeah, if Adam did it, I probably would have done it too. Right, right. Yeah. Well, what you were just saying is is good. I, I and I like the way that you kind of pulled this whole. Uh, story in which you know I noticed a whole lot of things that I've never noticed before uh, the story of the uh, uh, the, the wedding feast mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I've, I've heard of it you know I've, I've you know you know heard the parable people, in Matthew 22 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've, I've heard of it before but I never really noticed a whole lot of things and uh, Beverly actually had a question for me uh, that if it wasn't for my uh, amazing John MacArthur study Bible, I would have never been able to answer. Uh, but she was asking me, and this is a question that I had to answer too, because I thought like, man, like why, why would that be the case? Now I get it. You know, you explaining that, you know, God is, is completely sovereign and he does what he wants. Um, but 
<laughs> in uh, Matthew chapter 22, uh, verse uh, 12, uh, said, uh, and he said, well, let's go to verse 11, context, context, context. Hmm. Uh, but when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And um, my my first question was, it was like, why is it that the king went to that guy? Because everybody was pulled into the wedding from the street. It said in, uh, what's this verse? Where's this verse five? They paid no attention, went off to the farm of the business. Yes, he's treated. Yeah, somewhere in there, it says that they he, he had pulled everybody off from the yep, street. So yep. it's like, well, I would imagine that none of them were ready. You know, why is it that sure. this particular guy? Uh, I'm going to let you answer first, and then I'm going to read with the. Let me borrow your footnotes there. And, no. <laughs> um, the fantastic study Bible. Um, yeah, it's really well, and that's where parables are helpful. But um, you know, we at the same time. They have their Jesus uses them to make their point, and there is a point where we have to not overthink it too much. So when we get to that part where he says, "Friend, why don't you have your wedding garment?" The implication is everybody else does. So they obviously got it somehow, and it probably was given to them by the in fact, i I believe that what happened in Jewish culture is sometimes you would borrow the wedding garments. Um, there was a code of conduct. Um, but in either case, Jesus' point here is to say, when you're at the wedding feast, there is a uh, there is a, a set conduct as far as the garments go that you have to follow, or else it's just in a our context on earth could be disrespectful, could be mm-hmm. um, not appropriate. Um, in this case, when you're talking about the marriage supper with the king, no less. He's pointing to the judgment day when people will be before him saying, Lord, Lord, but he'll say, I never knew you. And that's because they would have been doing things um, in pretense, and they never really were given the robes and garments of salvation um, because they never repented of sin. Mm -hmm. So we have to just know and go with it in the story that, hey, when you show up to a wedding, and the Jews knew this, when you show up to the wedding feast, everybody has the wedding garment. goes mm-hmm. without saying. So they would have known by the time he got there, oh, there's a guy without it? Yeah, he's going to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned it in the sermon, but I thought, you know, it's interesting. Nobody else in the wedding said anything. But again, the parable right. is not to draw out every detail right. and make it this, you know, everything's covered. He's trying to make the one point where a lot of people can be in the crowd and be with the group that does have everything pulled together rightly, so to speak, yet it does come down to that one person being ready and being appropriately clothed before the king. And in this case, it's holiness, righteousness. It gets back to that uh, Psalm 96, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness or holy attire. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that is the right answer. Yeah. yeah. What what uh, the the footnotes said that um, they were all given clothing uh, as they came in. Okay. And yep. that particular guy actually rejected them. That, that's what the implication is here. Uh, it's sense. not said, but that's the implication that he rejected the garments that you know, was there. Yeah. Uh, okay. My yep. mind directly went to 
uh, a Christian who's in church that mm-hmm. does not want to repent, as you said, mm-hmm. uh, but just wants the benefits of being a Christian that you know are there for like the health and the wealth. Yeah, sure. You know, they want the benefits of being a Christian, but not the actual work of repentance and training yourself to godliness and right, right. you know and clothing yourself in righteousness mm-hmm. and stuff like that's that. That is, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. and that's and that's another thing that uh really I've been like kind of going over in my brain this week when, you know when it comes to the sermon was yeah, you know, it's it's that whole idea of the 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 clothing yourself in righteousness and um but the other side is uh apostle uh Paul was talking about taking off mm-hmm. and taking taking off and and you know I, I as as I thought about that I was like man that is that is you know precise and really good because if you're going to put on something you have to take off something something else yeah, yeah. something yeah. else and uh cuz you know it's it's not going to be like you know you're just going to keep it on you're going to take it off and, and and clothe yourself with with righteousness so uh with that in mind um this person you know the the he, and I was my, one of my questions was in the text the king doesn't say hey you he actually says friend He's like, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? Now, <laughs> in the in verse 13, he doesn't treat him like a friend. Um, he says, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, place there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then verse 14 was like mm-hmm. a, a heavy, you know, for many are called, but few are chosen. Yeah. Um, you know, can you speak a little bit more about that? Like he was called friend. Yeah. But then... You know, he wasn't treated like that in verses 13 and 14. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just, it just shows how patient and merciful God is, I think, where he he gives the guy a chance to answer himself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, God being sovereign knows where he's at, um, but hence, when he makes the final judgment, it's very clear that, yeah, he's not a true friend or child of God at all. Um, but he he doesn't, the king or God in this case, as represented in the parable, he doesn't fly in there in a rage at seeing him. It's kind of like with all of us on this side of heaven calling all people to repentance. We're giving people a chance. And someday with that rejection will come a very unmerciful judgment because they've rejected their only chance at mercy. Mm-hmm. So I just think it shows the the kindness of God in that case and how he approaches mm-hmm. and offers in a sense. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> but then he also, uh, he is a severe judge mm-hmm. because he's a holy God and no one will see him without holiness. Um, there is There is a sense in which you know, and again, this is where you can overthink the parable, but a lot of this should have been uh, corrected before the king got there, right? Because mm. you're you've got this guy in the middle of all of these people who have the right clothes, and but he's allowed to mill around with them. So I I think there's probably not the point of the parable, but a little bit of a takeaway for the church too to be a little more discerning and a little more helpful to those around us when they don't show that fruit, which is the white robe. Those are our righteous deeds to try to 
peer into that and come alongside that person and bring them along before it's too late. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's real good. So we have a couple minutes here left. And uh, one of the um, words, the fancy words that you used uh, was uh, uh, you, holiness is Kadesh. And that mm-hmm. means set apart. I did not catch the one that was worship. Uh, so holy, the splendor, I think, was Kadesh. Is that right? Or is that holiness? Holiness. Okay, I so thought. Hadara mm-hmm. is the other one. Um, and that means essentially glory. Mm-hmm. So that would have been the splendor word. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're right. And that would be either holy garments, again, is where that literal translation comes from, mm-hmm. or the it would mean the glory of a king. And so and there's a couple places in Scripture where that line shows up. First, obviously, in um, I think it's Second Chronicles where that story was found, where in the moment when that psalm is instructed to be sung, they say it there, but it's also a couple other places in the psalms. And there is a bit of a, a drawing on the fact that we worship because of the splendor of God's holiness. But again, God always calls us to be holy because he is holy. Mm-hmm. So most of the time then the the implication there, like in Psalm 96.9, is worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness because that's what he calls us to be mm-hmm. as he is holy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So um, <laughs> we always end with the gospel message. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I'm actually going to give you a little bit more time than uh, uh, other people. And the reason why is because the very first point is that God is holy. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other part is that we are the people that are pulled into the wedding feast. Uh, we, we are not. So give us the gospel in the light of God's holiness. Yeah. No, thank you. So starting with God's holiness... Without Christ, it is a very scary thing. Hmm. And the Bible says that on Judgment Day, we will either be, we, we will all be judged. That is, we will be um, discerned one from the other, sheep from the goats. And without Christ, we're judged without mercy. With Christ, we're judged with mercy. And because God is holy, he cannot excuse sin or just pass it over. So he had to appease his wrath, his justice, and satisfy the the atonement for sin, and he did that with himself, that is, Jesus, the Son of God. And whoever believes on Jesus, the Son of God, that he died, that he he was risen again three days later, and that that is the only work that can be done to atone for sin, so nothing that we do on our own, but just by faith alone in his work, then we're told that we will be forgiven of all unrighteousness for all who call on him in mercy. And that, again, if it's just, it's so weighty, and I started my sermon with, we don't often let that roll over in our minds enough to really have an impact, mm-hmm. um, but because God is holy and we're not, something has to happen, and mm-hmm. that's where Christ comes in and he clothes us with his own righteousness, imputes that, credits it to us. And as Matt says so many times, he lives, he lived the perfect life that we never could have lived and was raised after he was killed. We never could have done that for ourselves either. So you see God's uh, judgment satisfied in Christ with the death 
and then above and beyond that mm-hmm. comes back to life by his own and with his own power and <laughs> credits us with that as well. It's it's an amazing gospel story. Yeah. Yeah. And the the last part that I do want to just kind of add on to there is uh um the fact that we do have a choice. And with us having a choice, um mm-hmm. that choice is uh to either reject God or mm-hmm. to accept him. Mm-hmm. And accepting him means to uh repent and believe. Yeah. And it's it's very very Amen. simple, but very very sweet and complex at the same time because that rejection actually is what that guy in the story did where he wants, you know, he's invited in and he does not want to have the clothing, uh, that, that the, uh, the King wanted him to have. And what that does is that says, I don't want what you want to put on me, but I do want the benefits of life and all those things. And, and that just won't work. So, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the gospel is so sweet and so wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, joining me today, Ben, and, uh, and talking about the sermon. Uh, thank you all for tuning into the truth talks podcast. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do check out our Instagram, which is the truth talks podcast and uh, give you kind of an update on what the content is going to be uh, once it comes up. Thank you all for tuning in. Take care. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.